Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money at Menards. Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. Another edition of the ML Sports Platter all over the major platforms. Hit me on Twitter, at Mike L Sports. We are a part of the Believe Podcast Network, and we are brought to you by Stanley Law Office's Welch and Company Jewelers, Brian Comboy of Mass Mutual, New York State, and Bryant and Stratton College of Syracuse. Two and four-year degrees are always available. Classes are starting soon. Great time to be a Bobcat. We're getting set for the inaugural baseball season. Women's and men's hoops rolling, and uh, boy, there's a lot going on uh, at Bryant and Stratton College. A lot of new programs, uh, nursing program, etc. Uh, they've got the, 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 the online gaming uh, this place is rolling right now. BryantStratton.edu for more information. That's BryantStratton.edu. Bryant Stratton College of Syracuse, the official college of the ML Sports Platter. Let's bring him in. Syracuse Sports Insider and Writer uh, for Syracuse.com, the Post Standard. He's on Twitter at Mike A. Curtis, the number two. Mike Curtis, welcome uh, to the podcast, buddy. Let's talk some Syracuse hoops and football, man. How are you? No problem. Thanks for having me. It's always good to come on here and talk sports. Let's get into the Villanova-Syracuse game at MSG. Where do you think things didn't go right for Syracuse, ultimately? Yeah, for sure. Um, Last night's game was pretty interesting. Um, And I think it all started pretty much after halftime. I mean, after halftime, Villanova came out. I think they were on at least a 12-2 to two run. And you could tell they came out with a more focused mindset on, hey, we have to score. We've been, we've been, we've been shooting all these shots, but they're not going in. But I think they came out a little bit more aggressive. And I think this, this game ultimately came down to the rebounding battle. I mean, Syracuse is out-rebounded 57-36. to 36, And you can't win games like that. But on the flip side... I think it was interesting because this is the number six team in the country and you were able to be toe-to-toe with them up until the final moments of the game. But if they had a little bit more rebounding, and I think this is where um, Barama Sidibe would come in handy. Um, granted, he's been having his difficulties with his um, injuries. Um, this is where a guy like that would come in handy to kind of take that pressure off Jesse and Frank. Um, but ultimately, I came. I think it came down to the rebound battle last night. Yeah, I mean they got out rebounded fifty-seven to thirty-six, and I mean you give you know a team more offensive chances, 
um, you're going to be in trouble. Buddy Bayheim, obviously, th- th- this was a bad game yeah. for him. I- everybody's allowed a bad game. The greatest players in all sports and history have had bad games. Um, you know, social media and fans might not let you have a bad game, but certainly, you know, you're 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 allowed to have a bad game. Um, I think Buddy will bounce back. Although the last few games, he has shown that he's really struggling shooting the three, which is his bread and butter, and kind of getting and beating these different dynamic defenses in this makeup of of how teams are defending him. What do you see moving forward with Buddy Bayheim? Yeah, for sure, it's interesting with Buddy. He. he... Last two games, he's totaled 12 points, six points against Florida State, six points against Villanova, and he hasn't made a three in either one of those, 0 for 9 total. Um, He missed four against Florida State, missed five last night against Villanova. But ultimately, I think he's still getting adjusted. I know he started off the year well, but there's still an adjustment period that he's going through, I think, um, playing with his big brother and Jimmy Beheim, who who's playing phenomenal for Syracuse. He has that kind of old-school game where he backs you down and just throws up the jump hook, and it, and it goes in. So I think he, he's getting adjusted um, playing with different personalities, playing with Cole Swider, who's getting a lot of shots. Um, and he's just trying to find – he's just trying to f- pick his spots, and the shots aren't going down. But I think it's definitely temporary. Um, I think he'll get out of this slump um, coming probably in these next few games. Um, especially against Georgetown this weekend on Saturday. I know um, a, a lot of a lot of a lot of players get up for those big rivalry games, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see the Buddy Beheim bounce back game next game. Is Buddy Beheim an NBA player? Do you think to, can, can he get to the league and stay in the league for a while? That's a really good question. Um, I think before the season, I saw a list where he was on ESPN's top ranked prospects for the next um, NBA draft. And I think he does have the game. Um, At first, his game was just that of a shooter, a standstill shooter. But you can see he's been able to kind of create for himself. He backs you down. He gets into that high post. He's able to hit that turnaround level. And that's what the NBA guys do. Um, he's becoming a little bit more of a playmaker. You see him getting shots to his, his older brother, getting shots to Cole. Um, so I think he, and he has the size. I think he, he he can definitely be a be an NBA player. He just has to be a little bit more consistent. What do you, when you look at this team, what what do you like most about this team, and what do you like least about this team? You know, on a game to game basis, as we're getting close to rounding out and finishing the non-con, um, yeah. and, and, and certainly the, the early ACC starts. I actually don't like that. I don't like the early conference game. I'd rather just do all non-con and then con, but I, I understand what everybody, and everybody's rushing everything these days. Um, but but, but what, what do you, where do you think the, 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 the greatest you know, strength or what you like the most, you know, the ceiling, the highest, you know, however you want to phrase it, how, you know, what do yeah. you like the most, what do you dislike the most about this team? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think obviously, and for any Hoops fan, any basketball fan, um, I really love the ability that this team has with this three-point shooter. Um, you got Joe Girard, who started the year making his first nine three-pointers, um, which is unheard of. So he, he was off to a pretty hot start. And he's still shooting the ball pretty well. Um, he had a couple of one-on-one matchups last night where you like, oh, he shot that, and he made it, so. Um, I think that's pretty cool from that perspective. Cole Swider has the ability to shoot the ball as well, but he's been struggling 
pretty much kind of ever since the regular season started. But he's been consistent with his rebounding. And then you have Buddy Beheim and Jimmy Beheim has been proven that he can shoot as well. Um, that's what I like most about this team is their shooting. What I like least about it is their um, production from its bench. And I'll go Simon Torrance. Um, he, he has his moments where he's doing pretty well defensively, but I think he just needs to finish his layups a little bit more um, when he gets in the paint and tries to create. Um, you got Benny Williams, who is still trying to figure it out as a freshman. Um, I know Jim Beheim said at the beginning of the year, every freshman, every five-star freshman isn't going to come in and be Carmelo Anthony. And I think that I think Carmelo raised such a standard as far as freshmen goes, especially those who come to Syracuse, that if they're not automatically good, then just write them off. But I think he's just having a, a, a bit of an adjustment period, getting used to the speed of the Division One game. Um, and then you got Frank Anselm. He, he's had his moments. He's had his high moments, especially when he knocked down those four consecutive free throws. Mm-hmm. Um what was that against Florida State or Indiana? Indiana. Yeah, Indiana. Indiana. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, they all yeah, blend he, together eventually, you know. Yeah, they do. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's he's been playing pretty well when he's on the floor. But I think he has to be a little bit more consistent as well. So I would say I like the shooting. Um, I dislike the production from his bench. It, they didn't even get any scoring last night. Talking some more in sports with Mike Curtis uh, from the Syracuse.com platform. Make sure you go get him. Uh, on Twitter at Mike A Curtis, the number two, and also the CurtisCritique.com. Um, is this a tournament team, Syracuse? Oh, that's a good question. We 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 ask we ask this question every year, <laughs> and somehow every year they find themselves in the tournament. So I, I would say so. I think once once it get down to um, ACC play, they'll be able to get into a better rhythm uh, because they'll be playing teams multiple times and they'll be able to figure out what works and what's not working um i know they're having a kind of a transition with their defense from the two threes the one three one to the one one three whatever you want to call it but it's an evolving defense and i think they're still trying to get that down as well um but i think once it comes down to tournament time that's the thing that's going to separate them from the other teams as it usually does they were able to make it to the sweet 16 last year so I definitely think it's a tournament team. You know, back to Jimmy Beheim for a second um, in, in his play this year, which has been, yeah, I've actually been really impressed with him. I mean, I, I think he's been, um, you know, he's a lefty, he's a lefty player with the shot yeah. and the handle and all that, and yet his right hand is ultra strong, and he showed that last night. I mean, a lot of people who have a right-handed handle and shot would love to have a lefty, you know, uh, uh, balance like Jimmy does. Um, he, he does back people down. He's, he's, he is physical. Uh, he can play inside, outside. He's got a nice stroke. Um, when, when you heard he was coming to Syracuse and transferring, and I think everybody knew that it was coming. It was just a matter of getting that thing released. But wh- what did you think about him then as far as how he would get here and blend in and his approach and all that sort of stuff. And and what do you think about him now in comparison? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I think how I thought about him when I first heard that he was coming to Syrac- transferring to Syracuse, I didn't know how much of a role he played. Um, I knew Buddy Beheim was obviously the better player, um, but I didn't know that he'd be much of a focal point that he is right now. 
and he's shown he's shown to be one of this team's best players. And it's kind of interesting. I think he had a streak where he was making the first bucket for Syracuse pretty much for maybe five games straight or so. So that was pretty cool as well. But um, you can see he, he had 26 points against Indiana on 9 for 10 shooting. So he's getting the shots that he wants. Um, and he's getting as many touches as, as he can. Like, he, he made four threes in that game. Um, and he, he, he's shown that he can be a pretty good rebounder, which Syracuse needs, especially these days. Um, but I definitely think, like, he, he needs some help. Like, he can't be the only one going out to get 21 points or 20-plus points. Um, he, he has to get some help, and usually he'll get that from his younger brother or from Joe or even from um, Jesse, who, who's emerged this year as well. But as far as Jimmy goes, I, I'm, I'm utterly surprised with how he's been playing, and I think he's one of the Orange's most important players. You know what player I wish was on this team right now? <laughs> Is it someone who transferred Quincy Quincy Garrier. Yeah. Man, yeah. I'm telling you, last night I'm watching this game, and Jay Wright's teams, you know, his versatile forwards are always a problem for everyone yeah. in the country, but especially inside a zone. Clearly they got in the creases. They got the rebounds. Um, and then on the offensive end, man, I mean, it just – there's something – about that center position or even like a power four that you can slide down there like you know how AO used to be he was, he was a little shorter for a center but he was big and you could get away with that of course um but man with, with this team and how they're made up and and how it would take pressure off of Anselm and Edwards coming off the bench maybe they're better bench players um if if Gary is in there and you could almost sneak him in there at the five, you know, or or you could play him at the four and put somebody else at the five on occasion. I'll tell you what, yeah. man, the way this team is blended together and where the needs are, man, I, I that that guy would be perfect on this team. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You take a guy like Quincy Gary away from this team, and it definitely hurts. Um, he's obviously at Oregon now. Um, he even wanted to pursue his NBA dreams, um, but. He definitely would benefit by being on this team um, and trying to get them probably to the top of the ACC if they hadn't lost to Colgate and had a couple tough losses um, in the Bahamas to VCU and Harvard. But um, who knows where they would be if they had a guy like him. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, so let's shift our focus over to Syracuse football for a couple, and then I'll let you run, Mike. Um where does this program go from here? Because Dino Babers now, you know, he's got a bad record. You know, he had the bowl, the bowl year double-digit wins, but I think a lot of that was Eric Dungy, not even his recruit. Uh, he completely missed on DeVito. Schrader's got a long way to go. They are young. They are raw. There is some promise at wide receiver and at corner, but 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 there's there's you know they're raw. I mean they're 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 just not there yet. Um, the offensive line still wicked small and not good enough. The defense just gaps all over the place. They always take a nosedive at the end of the year. This year was no different. They lost the, first, the last three by miles. What what is what is next for this program? Because I feel like while it is hard to win at Syracuse, Northeast Carrier Dome's old, even with the renovations, um, facilities even when they were built, they're still behind the times. Even with all the things that we take into in, into the equation with how hard it is to win at, at Syracuse, 
you know, the ACC is down big time right now, Mike, and, and your non-conference schedule, especially this year, has been extremely reasonable. You know, don't go lose to Rutgers. Win one of those games between Wake and Florida State that you almost had kind of in the bag. With all that being said, where do they go from here off of that? Because I, I think that this team should be able to go 6-6, six and 7-5 six, and five every year. Yeah, it's funny because my, my, my beginning of the season prediction for this team uh, was 6-6. Six and six. I didn't know. They ended up 5-7, and seven, obviously one game off. But I didn't know that it would pan out the way it did. Um, you had that stretch where you, what, what was it, four consecutive games of a decision by three points or less by field goal. That, like, that's unheard of. Um, and they were able to get the one against Liberty. That I, I felt like if they had get, getting that one against Liberty, that should have been a momentum swing. That should have propelled them to kind of a, a winning streak. But you drop those three winnable games, um, and that's kind of tough. Wake Forest, um, obviously, Garrett Schrader had that game win a touchdown against Virginia Tech. That was that was big for him and his confidence. Um, but who would expect that you would lose um, Tommy DeVito, Taj Harris, um, so many guys in the transfer portal, um, especially even after the season. Um, so I think there there was a lot of dysfunctionality, if that's a word, <laughs> um, a part of this team throughout the season. Um, a lot of distractions, a lot of injuries. And I think they did the best they could, honestly, um, which is why we're probably seeing Dino Babers stick around for another year. But I do think this is the last chance to get it right. Um, he has a lot of assistant coaching vacancies to fill and John Wildhack has made it clear that you got to start foundationally um, with the assistant coaches. They already have the prime piece than Sean Tucker and they better hope that he doesn't <laughs> get wooed away um, to a different school um, just because of how the transfer portal is and how NIL has come into play now. But I think as long as they can stick to that foundation of running the ball um, if Schrader, his offseason work, it, it, his number one priority should be improving that arm, improving that accuracy, um, not getting locked in on one guy um, down the field and throwing the ball a couple yards ahead or a couple yards short. Um, his passing should be definitely his number one priority. And I think if, if all of that goes well, then, then they'll be in a good position, but they are losing a lot of a lot of players. This won't be the same team, and their recruiting class isn't strong for next year as well. So, I'm not sure what awaits for this team. That, that's a pretty interesting question about their future. I'll tell you what, though. I mean, the the coaching staff has just gone through, for whatever reason. I mean, the assistants and Dino uh, mm-hmm. through the, the the last couple of years here, they, 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 there's just no consistency. I mean, you can't. You can't bring in – I mean, if you're going to keep Babers, which he – I don't know. He, he tricked me in the beginning, and now I'm, I've had enough, honestly, because the cliche stuff and, and, and all the nonsense. And I don't – I mean, you know, again, he can't lose to Rutgers. There's so many different things. His teams show signs at the end of the year that it almost looks like they're quitting. Um, they're undisciplined still. He's awful with game management. But if you're going to keep him, then you got to put the heat on that guy to, to make – some choices for assistance and have this thing sustain a little bit, Mike, because you can't have assistants come in through the door and then go, okay, they're gone or fire them or, 
you know, it, it's just it's too inconsistent to me that coaching staff. Yeah, and he, it, he's he's making a change now. He's expected to hire um, veteran NFL and college football special teams coordinator um, Bob. Le, Le, let me. I might be butchering this. Bob Legishiki, <laughs> um, according to Yahoo Sports. Um, but he, he he spent the last year at Bowling Green. He's pretty experienced. And this team, let's face it, this team needed someone to coach special teams last year because they were awful. Awful. How did Andre Schmidt um, end up struggling as much as he did? Um, th- that right there is the key difference between the majority of those, those games, three or four games, mm-hmm. where a missed field goal could have given you a record of maybe seven and four instead of five and seven. Um, but, yeah, that, that, that that's interesting. All right, final one for you, Mike. Um, when you watch Sean Tucker run the football, what do you see? He's relentless. He's relentless and he's super fast. Um, it, it's so interesting to see guys just bounce off of um, and – I know there was a lot of talk during the season about the number 44, and uh, I had to bring it up because it, it was a talking point, and, and, I, and I've had some time to think about it. Um, I don't think that number should be ever given out ever again. Um, I think it's pretty cool that he has the number 34, and if he really wants to create his own legacy, he keeps doing exactly what he's doing year by year, and someday that number gets retired. And everyone thinks about 34 as Sean Tucker and the incredible career he had at Syracuse. That's a that's a fair way to look at it, but I actually go the other way on this. I don't think 44 should have ever really been uh, retired in the first place. And and here here's why. For me, it's a college versus pro argument. Meaning, in college, I get it. You look at a Jim Brown, you look at a you know a Carmelo, you look at uh, so many different players. And you're like, okay, they're going to be Peyton Manning. Some of them are just dead giveaways. They're going to be pros. They're going to be Hall of Fame type players. They're dead giveaways. In college, you're there at a program for a few years. You're not a 10-year vet, a 12, 15-year vet. Some some of these guys go into the pros and they, they play 15, 20 years for a team and they go into the Hall of Fame. That, to me, is when the number is retired. You know, you think about number four with the Bruins and seven, five, four, two, and three with the Yankees, and you think about, you know, number nine with the Red Sox and number six with the Celtics and 33 with the Celtics and 23 with the Bulls, like, you know, 99 for the Oilers, right? Like, it's just, you know, to me, it's a pro thing. I, I get that a lot of other guys aren't going to equal Jim Brown, Floyd Little, you know, and Ernie Davis, but I just, I look at it from the other way, and I don't even think it's a recruiting tool, Mike, right now. I really don't because I, I don't think any of these kids give a rip about what happened 65, 70 years ago. They might go and YouTube something or hear from their grand, great-grandfather that Jim Brown was amazing or their grandfather, whatever, fine. But I don't think that they care about the number 44. They care about being on TV, scoring a lot of points. They care about the team's colors, right? But that's where I stand on it. I think, it, I think retiring a number is more of a professional situation. Yeah, that's a good point. When I talk to these kids, I talk I talk to a lot of the um, recruits for football and for basketball. And the first thing I ask them about, what, what did you know about Syracuse before you got an offer, before you um, committed? And they say, um, I know they're a pretty good basketball school. Right, see, that's I what I mean. about yeah. Carmelo. Yeah, right. That, that, 
number one thing they know. Yeah, see, that's that's what I'm saying, man. It's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. It, it, it would be kind of, in a way, pretty cool to, to see the number on the field anyway, just to give people some something to get hyped up around here for the football team. Yeah. Mike Curtis, at Mike A. Curtis, the number two, Syracuse.com, Orange Sports Reporter. Mike, thanks so much. No problem, Mike. Thanks for having me. The ML Sports Platter brought to you by Prestwick Golf, Elevate Fitness of Syracuse, and Burn Dairy. If you're in and around Central New York, stop in for their chocolate milk, the terrific choices for breakfast, including their delicious donuts. They have hot and cold food ready to roll, pizza, subs, you name it. It's all at Burn Dairy, a host of different refreshments, great beer selection as well. Burn Dairy is a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. Tip of the cap, thank you as well to the Swan and Whitaker families for their support of the platform. Mike Curtis, Syracuse.com, was fantastic. We bring on another incredible guest. He is a play-by-play man for college basketball on ESPN. I had the pleasure of working with him at the Carrier Dome for the game against Indiana, a double overtime thriller. He had the call along with his color analyst, Jimmy Dykes, and boy, do they sound great together. And uh, he is a uh, he's a Central New York native too, so uh, it's just great to have uh, hometown people come back and uh, and call games and and succeed and, and do great things. It's Doug Sherman. Doug, how are you, man? Sure. So it was great working with you, and uh, obviously Jimmy Dykes, an unbelievable game at the Dome that was double OT. Um, first question is actually a broadcast question uh, before we get to some of the basketball and recap the Nova Cuse game as well from last evening, which I'm sure you were dialed in and watched. Um, who, like, how, how do you know when you have great chemistry with a color guy? Well, it usually happens pretty quick and it can get better over time. There's no question about that. But, but for those guys who you'd say you have great chemistry with, you realize, you know, much like you do with somebody who you, you're a fast friend with, you click. And, uh, typically that's, that's fairly early on. Um, but there have been guys who I have struggled with uh, for a variety of reasons early, you know, and, and doing games for the first few times with them. And then you work harder at it and you make sure that you develop that chemistry that doesn't necessarily come naturally. Um, so I would I'd like to think that one way or the other you can get there, but you, you definitely know the guys who, you know, you, some guys you work together, but you would never go out for dinner with. Uh, necessarily as friends, but but some guys you do, and, and you know right away. So having seen Syracuse at home against Indiana and seeing what they did last night and obviously being an alum, being dialed into college basketball, how do you feel about this team moving forward? About the same that I have all season. You know, the Indiana game was obviously great, and for you and I to be sitting courtside and getting paid to be there, that that's pretty cool, as it always is. Mm-hmm. Um but they are limited and you know, if they're not making shots, they have a hard time winning games and that's not going to change because of their physical limitations. Um, they're not a good defensive team. And, and as was illustrated last night in the Villanova game, they can be awful at rebounding and those things are not going to change dramatically. So, so if Syracuse is making shots, they can put up some nice wins and beat some good teams, but that comes and goes. And we've seen how buddy's been taken out. Uh, of the offensive equation a little bit more lately than we've seen the last couple of years. And, you know, other people come and go. Gerard has shot great this year, but he has shown through his first two plus years, he can be hot and cold. 
as with any shooter. And uh, so if they're making threes, they can win, they can hang. But if they're not, it can get pretty bad. And, and I think they were fortunate last night that Villanova was so cold in the first half. You know, Syracuse's defense was better and, and closed out well. But Nova did miss a lot of open shots where that game could have opened up a lot earlier than it did. No doubt. Do you think they're a tournament team? No, unfortunately. Really? Uh, I, okay. I think they'll wind up being, you know, in the mix on the bubble. But when push comes to shove, I don't see how they're going to get enough quality wins between now and then because they are who they are. And, and the other part of that equation is that the ACC is down and there aren't going to be nearly as many opportunities for big wins as you usually have in that conference. Doug Sherman, ESPN with us here. A couple more for you, Doug, as we break some things down. Uh, you're obviously a, a Central New York native and, you know, you went to Jordan Elbridge and you went to Syracuse um, and you come back home and, and walk in the dome. Do, do, you, do you still feel that special hometown feeling when you come back and call a game and you walk in the Carrier Dome? And um, d d does that feeling still exist for you? Yes. Every single time I walk in the Dome, every moment I'm in there, I feel it. Uh, it, it fires me up, and I, I can't even put it into words how exciting it is for me. And, and as you mentioned, I grew up in Elbridge. Uh, I went to Manly Fieldhouse as a kid and remember clearly the Dome being built. And so I've been there as often as lots of folks who will be listening to this and have the same feeling whether I'm sitting up in the nosebleeds as I did, you know, when I was a kid or now having, you know, the seat that I get and I'm blessed to have uh, as, a, as a professional. Absolutely, every single moment I'm on campus, and especially in the Dome, I, I feel the same way I did when I was nine years old, first time going to Manly. Can, can you believe that Bayheim is still coaching? I mean, he has been at Syracuse forever, and he's not slowing down anytime soon. He's, what, 77 now. I mean, can you believe it? Did, did you see him having a, like a long, long, long career like this, you know, years ago? Yeah, I, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, he's a stubborn guy. <laughs> and, and as he has always said, and I'm sure some of it's tongue in cheek as, as his contemporaries around the country have, you know, made comments and joked with him about being in Syracuse. Um, he said, where else would you rather be? And, and he truly feels that way. And while he has, been approached or many years ago had been approached about other opportunities uh, I don't think there's any place he'd rather be and you know until we're his age and people always want to retire people whether it's in basketball or in business or wherever broadcasting uh, until you're that person you don't know how you're going to feel when you're 70 and 75 and 77 years old and and how you're going to feel physically and mentally and and you know, so I don't begrudge him at all. He, he should stay as long as he wants, as far as I'm concerned. I, I know a lot of people don't feel that way, uh, but be careful what you wish for. Uh, we went through this in a different way 20 years ago when a lot of folks wanted Coach Pasqualoni out and didn't anticipate how the program would change after, thinking it would only be good. Uh, be careful what you wish for. You know, GMAC and, and Adrian and whoever get it, uh, they could be great. But there's also the possibility that they won't. So, so I'm in no hurry to chase him out, and I'm, I'm happy for him to stay. I think he's earned that right to stay as long as he wants. Final one for you. When you get done calling a game, what do you hope people say about you? Uh, that I was professional, that I was solid, that I didn't get in the way of the action, that uh, I entertained them perhaps and educated them. Uh, Mike, one of the goals I have, you know, Syracuse and, and the big boy schools are on TV every time, and, 
it's easy enough for a broadcaster to just read the game notes and, and rattle off the same stuff over and over again. And you hear the same thing from eight different broadcasters in eight different games. I really strive to come up with things that are different. And, uh, and, and that comes from asking questions and doing more reading and talking to the players and the coaches and the SIDs. And I want to make it a little different so that if, if a hardcore Syracuse fan like I am sits down to watch an SU game, uh, you're going to hear something different every time. And so that's, that's my goal, whether it's football, basketball, or baseball, is that I want to reach that hardcore fan of that team and tell them something they hadn't heard before. Tell you what, I've always told um, young broadcasters who, who come in and work you know, in, in radio or whatever the case may be, and they actually ask silly old me you know, for advice or something that, that maybe I can pass to them, um, if they're play-by-play people and, and they're locally, I always kind of tell them, like, figure out a way to become the play-by-play guy for the Syracuse, you know, when they were the Syracuse Chiefs, because it seems like every single play-by-play guy who has had <laughs> success there has been just launched, I mean, a launching pad of greatness, including you, Jason Benetti, Dan Hoare. I mean, it's on and on. It's endless with the Syracuse Chiefs uh, play-by-play resume note there, you know? Yeah, and it's it's a wonderful fraternity that you point out there, and many of us have uh, used that opportunity and run with it. And uh, I think other than uh, Matt Vasgersian, all of the people who you would put on that list are all you know Newhouse and WAER guys, and that was that's our common thread as well. Um, but Matt obviously has done unbelievably well for himself uh, in his one year stopping at MacArthur Stadium and moving on from there. Um, I don't know if there's any secret sauce or anything in the water on the north side of Syracuse helping us out, but uh, it has certainly worked out well for me and for others. Man, you've got your 20-year anniversary at ESPN coming up. Yeah, and you know, that's a little bit misleading, but you're right. I mean, uh, I was a part-timer. I was a freelancer for the first decade of that. So uh, Still counts. counts. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you know, I was still uh, working full-time at a local affiliate in Albany uh, up until what is it, five years ago, and I've been full-time. I've been officially full-time with ESPN for six years, and so that's kind of that's kind of what I have in my head. But you're right. I mean, those, those Disney pins for uh, service uh, come, you know, Disney owns ESPN, and they're, they're very big about making sure they recognize those who have worked there five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, et cetera, and they do come, and you recognize, like, Hmm. I guess I've been doing it for a while. Yeah, no doubt. Time flies for sure. ESPN's Doug Sherman. Doug, thanks so much. Continued success. Thanks so much, Mike. I appreciate it. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends at Bryant and Stratton College of Syracuse, Liverpool Physical Therapy, Barks and Rec Doggy Daycare, and Heather Saxton of Hunt Real Estate. Folks, it is a pain in the you-know-what to sell and buy a home. Well, she makes it a little bit easier. In fact, home is more than just a place it's a feeling with Heather Saxon. If you're in and around the great state of New York and you're selling a home, you're buying a home, go with Heather today. 315-727-3313. That's 315-727-3313. You can get her on Facebook as well. Heather at Hunt. She is a licensed real estate salesperson and the official real estate agent of the ML Sports Platter. And also a tip of the cap thank you as well to Burn Dairy, Prestwick Golf, and the Vince Aguera Consulting Group. Huge, 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 huge thanks to Mike Curtis and Doug Sherman. This is the ML Sports Platter, available where podcasts are on your smartphone device. Go ahead and leave those reviews and five stars and all the rest, 
and download and subscribe to the program for archived and new episodes of the ML Sports Platter. As I always tell you, enjoy the games. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube saving money on exterior wall lights now at menards find your style with patriot lighting exterior lights enhance the look of your home Choose from over 50 options from Patriot Lighting. Now through May 19th, get $10 instant savings on a single qualifying purchase of $100 or more on in-stock outdoor wall lights. Check out our entire selection of outdoor lights and see the rest of our deals happening now on Menards.com. Save big money.